I need nine volunteers to come and help me. Who would like to come and help me? I'll not embarrass you. It's really, really easy. All you need to do is stand here with a card, okay? It looks like this. So nine volunteers, let me come. Okay, this is going to test me to see whether or not I can count. Right, guys, you're going to have to move that way, okay? Because I, I came up here to give you space, so you need to move that way. Okay. So how many have we got? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. We need one more. One more volunteer today. Jackie, well volunteered. Okay, so could you maybe make your way up onto the stage? I just want everybody to be on the same level. Okay, this is like being back in school. I want you to hold these up nice and clear, not in front of your face, so that everybody can see you and the thing that you're holding up. Right? Right, let's try and hold them level. Come on, level, level, level. If we're going to do this, we need to get it done right. Okay. So, what does it say? Christmas. Christmas. It says Christmas. I'm going to have to come off the stage so that I've got room, okay, to let you guys in. So, Christmas, what we're going to do here is I'm going to call out some of the letters of the word Christmas, and you're going to stand forward to this part of the stage, and you're going to stand in line, okay? So, if I call out your number, uh, your number, <laughs> if I call out the letter that you're holding, Come and just stand at the front so that we can see what you're holding up, okay? So the first one is C. Let's see if we've got the hang of this. Come up into here. Stand there. Thank you very much. The second letter is R. Sue, well done. The third, the third letter is A. That's you, John. John, you're A. Go up next to Sue. Stand next to Sue. I'm doing, the, I'm doing this here. Stop next to you. Jackie, come on. And the, the last one is M, okay? And it says cram, okay? Does it say cram? What are you laughing at? It does say cram. Okay, I thought we'd made a mistake there, Josh, okay? And it makes me think about Christmas and how much we cram into Christmas time. How much turkey we cram into ourselves, how much activity we try to cram into the short amount of hours that are in the day. And sometimes in the process of cramming all these things in, we begin to lose perspective. We begin to lose the real meaning of Christmas. Okay, you guys can go back to your spaces. Remember where you were? This will be a wee test. This will be interesting. Does it still say Christmas? Okay, so the next one is C. C. I should have just let you stay there. The next one is H. A. That's you again, John. R. Letter R. Who's got R? Sue. And M. Charm. All of the traditions that we have at Christmas. Do you have family traditions at Christmas? Things you like to do? Would anybody like to volunteer an example of things you like to do on Christmas? Mary? Family day out. Family day out, yes. Okay. Sleeping? <laughs> you do that all the time, though. That's not just... The, eh, sleep's not just for Christmas. Or is that dogs? Puppies. Right, okay. Anybody else got other traditions that they like to... The quiz. Do you do a quiz? Wow. 
you guys must be really clever to do a quiz on Christmas. My brain doesn't work on Christmas Day. Okay, you can go back to your seats, uh, your positions, sorry, you don't have a seat, apologies. Okay, so the next one we'll have is C. <laughs> Get this sister. A. You again, John. S. <laughs> S and H. Who's got H? Christmas and cash, or rather, the lack of it. Because <laughs> eh? at Christmas time, we t- sometimes tend to spend a little bit too much, whether it's on the food or the presents or the pastor's present. Oh, no, it couldn't have been that. That's right. You just keep that up the right way. I'm watching you, Matt Neely. But Christmas... Christmas is all about a gift, isn't it? Gifts are given to us freely, but who knows that to give a gift, there's always a cost, yeah? When you're given a gift, you've got to buy that gift, and there is a cost to that gift, and it makes me think about Christmas and how Christmas for us is a free gift, but it cost, cost God. Okay, back to your places. Okay, the first one is Nazi. It is S. M. Oh, there's two S's. Sorry, Jacqueline. A. R. Have you guessed what it is yet? You guys are clever, eh? T. Martin gets a wee chance. There you go. Smart. Thinking about all the parties that we dress up for, even coming to Christmas Eve, the, even the pastor wears a tie on Christmas Eve. He likes to be smart. All the things that we do when we dress up for on Christmas. Back to your places. <laughs> Keep going to say seats. <laughs> okay, the first one is C. You knew that was coming, didn't you? R. A. We'll have the S at this end this time, just to give Jacqueline a shot. And H. <laughs> and this is all about the fact that we drink too much and we crash the car. No, no, that's not the case. Okay, we don't crash the car. It's all about the fact that on Christmas Day, you get to the end of the meal, you're stuffed full of food, and all you want to do is sit down on the sofa and crash, don't you? When you've wrapped all the presents and it's time to go to your bed at night, you just want to crash. You know, I don't even need a seat to crash out on Christmas Day. I just need a space on the floor and a wee cushion, and that's me away. In fact, there was somebody sleeping on the floor in our house on Christmas Day who's not here today who was even snoring on Christmas Day. But you can dig Alan about that later, okay? Okay, back to your places. We're going to fire on through this. The next one is C. You are regretting picking up the C, aren't you? (laughs) H. A. Hold that up so everybody can see it, John. Thank you. Don't cover your face, though. Just checking. Okay. A. uh, R. T. And you can fight over the S. Charts, and we're not talking about 
the Top of the Pops type charts, okay? Do we still do Top of the Pops these days? Is there, is there still? I don't know. Robert, Robert doesn't know it as Top of the Pops. He only knows it as the Hit Parade. Um, but we're not talking about that, although, can, can MD, does MD know who was at the top of the charts? Who was number one this Christmas? It was the sausage roll guy, yeah? I love sausage rolls. Aye. And they were donating money to Trussell Trust through this song. This is the second year that they've been at Christmas number one, and the second year they've donated money to the Trussell Trust. Fantastic, isn't it? So they were at the top of the charts, but that's not the charts that I'm thinking about. The charts I'm thinking about are the charts that the wise men would have had. Charts showing them the positions of the stars. Look, we've even created our own stars in here. Just for today, look up at the stars. You can go back to your places. To your places in here, Sue. We're not finished yet. I'll let you know when you're finished. Fret not. Don't panic. Don't panic, Captain Mannering. Okay. S... Stuart, go, 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 go. T, A, R. Do you again, Sue? The star which the wise men saw rising in the east. And we're going to think about the wise men in a little second. They followed the star to find... Okay, you guys can go back to your places. Who can guess what's going to be next? No. No. H. You, you need my notes. I. Because we had to have I in at some point. M. They went to find him, the baby Jesus. Back to your places. And the last one. You guys can all step forward in unison. C-H-R-I-S-T. They came to find... Okay, stay on the stage, Chantel. Come on, let's keep it nice and neat and tidy here. They came to find Christ. They came to find the one who had been born, not his name. His name was Jesus. The angel said to Joseph in a dream, call him Jesus because he'll save his people from their sins. We thought about that last week. But they came to find the Christ child. Christ means Messiah or anointed one. And that's who they came to find. So round of applause for our volunteers. You can go and sit down again. Thank you very much. Just pop that down there. And I'm going to finish off just with a few thoughts about the wise men. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 says this, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Now, who can tell me why there were no nativity scenes in the Houses of Parliament this year? because they couldn't find three wise men. <laughs> okay, joke's over. Apologies if they're listening to this. I, I take that back. I don't really mean it. There's lots of wise people in Parliament. But the star that the wise men followed was rising in the east. 
They traveled. It's, have you noticed this? That the wise men saw the star rise in the east and they traveled west. If the star rose in the east, why were they traveling west? They came from the east and traveled west to follow the star. And it's interesting that this, what it says that, um, where does it say it? Uh, that they saw his star in the east. A better translation of that is that they saw his star rising, his star at its rising. So they saw the star at its rising. You know, if you want to know where east is, get a compass out. I think it's kind of like, where are we? Is east kind of like over that way? That way? So on my right hand side, that way. Whatever way it is, it's the way that I point my camera when those harvest moons are rising. You see that big massive moon coming up above the horizon? And uh, I, I kind of think, you know, there's a bit of mystery about this whole star malarkey. But the wise men saw this star rising and they decided to follow that. They were wise men from the east. Where was the east? And, you know, the east for a Jewish person could have been anywhere on the other side of the Jordan the Jordan River, that is. So, it tells us in the Bible that they had come from the east, and the word magi in Greek literature refers to people from Babylonia or Parthia. Did you know that? And it says in verse 11, in the New King James Version of the Bible, they presented him, uh, presented gifts to him, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And because there are three gifts mentioned. We often talk about the fact that there are three wise men, which isn't actually a fact, okay? We don't actually know how many wise men there were, but we know that wise men traveled from the east, probably from the area of Babylon, to visit Jesus at his birth. And I read a quote uh, by, I, I think, Justin Martyr, a second century, second century theologian. I need a drink of water if somebody could maybe grab me one. Um, the wise men from Arabia came to Bethlehem and worshipped the child and offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. That was, this was probably written about 160 years after the birth of Jesus. And it's interesting that the gospel writers record certain events about Jesus uh, coming onto the planet Earth. And the, the reality is that they could have probably recorded so much more. Do you remember what John said? John said if all the things about Jesus were to be written down that he did and said, the world wouldn't be big enough to contain all the books that were written about him. It's incredible. We only have a little snapshot, you know, of a, a person who was a real person. Thank you, Martin. Very kind. A real person who walked on planet Earth, you know, imagine, imagine I was trying to describe you to somebody else and talk about you and your life to somebody else. And all I had to do, all, the only way that I could do that was to take pen and paper and write it down. How much information do you think I could give the other person about you? Not very much. Because your life is so much more intricate and complicated than I could ever write down and convey to somebody else. And so it is with Jesus. And John says that all the things that could have been written about him would have filled the whole world. But the reality is that he came into the earth and the gospel writers recorded certain things about his 
birth. And they recorded that wise men came to see Jesus. Who came to see him? There were lowly shepherds, Jewish people who came to see him. And we learned previously, uh, last year even, that the Jewish uh, shepherds would have been more kind of outcast type people, the people on the margins of society. But the reality is that these shepherds were the people who were guarding the sheep, tending the sheep that would have been used in the sacrifice offered in the temple. And here they are, the shepherds coming to visit Jesus, the one who would be designated by John, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Lowly shepherds, we sing that in the carols, they came to see Jesus. Wise men came from the east following a star that came to rest over the place where Jesus was born. The town is called Bethlehem. Did you know that Bethlehem means house of bread? That's what it means. And later again in the book of John, we read that Jesus was referred to as the bread of life. Jesus talked about himself as being the bread of life. He says, if you want to have life, come to me and feed on me. And the wise men came with gifts, kingly gifts. Remember last week, I mentioned about the two kingdoms, how the Jews had one lot of kings and they were one nation and then they split off into two separate kingdoms, the north and the south. And between those two kingdoms, they ruled for a number of years and there were 39 kings in total. And only nine out of those 39 kings ever did anything that was good and that pleased God. The others were all wicked and displeased God. And we read how the people went into captivity and they stayed under oppression from one regime to the next. And yet the Bible talks about another king in Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 5, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right. The king of kings, Jesus himself. And the wise men came to worship this king. We thought earlier on, or on a few occasions throughout the year, about the book of Nehemiah. You probably remember those messages about how Nehemiah heard about what had happened to Jerusalem, how the walls had been broken down, and how things were in disarray, and his heart was uh, troubled inside him, so much so that he uh, began to pray and really seek God for the answer as to what to do. And he eventually got permission from the king. He was in captivity, got permission from the king to go back and rebuild the walls of the city, Jerusalem. And there's some interesting things in the Bible that Isaiah says about this. And I think Isaiah in chapter 60 is talking about those who will come to worship Jesus. We talked before about how so much of Old Testament prophecy has been fulfilled in Christ. And there's so much Old Testament prophecy that has yet to be fulfilled. And we need to consider what these things are. But Isaiah chapter 60 Let's read a, a few little verses from that. Verse 1 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. That word Lord is actually Jehovah, the existing one, the glory of God, the existing one, the God who said to Moses, I am, he referred to himself as I am, he is the God who is mentioned here, the glory of 
Jehovah, the Lord, the existing one, rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. And I wonder if when Isaiah was writing this, he was thinking about the city of Jerusalem. Thinking as maybe the Jews of Jesus' day were thinking about the restoration of the city, the restoration of their nationhood, if I can use that phrase, and waiting for the Savior who would come and deliver them from their oppressors. But who's it actually referring to? I don't think it's referring to a nation or a people. I think it's referring to a person. But the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light. Who's Jesus? And then it says, in kings to the brightness of your dawn. I wonder if that's where we get the carol, we three kings of Orient are, bearing gifts we travel afar. Because we talk about magi, because that's how Matthew refers to them. But this prophecy, I think, is talking about those who would travel and come and meet Jesus. Verse 5 goes on to say, Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. The wealth on the seas will be brought to you. Brought to who? A person. To you the riches of the nations will come. To a people. To the Jews. To the city. No. To a person. Herds of camels will cover your land. Young camels of Midian and Ephah and all from Sheba will come bearing gold and incense. How did the wise men arrive on their camels? Was there three or was there more than three? And with those wise men, would there be servants, attendants, people who traveled with them? Almost certainly. Bearing gold and incense, frankincense and myrrh, are referred to as incense in one of the translations of the New Testament, and proclaiming the praise of the Lord. It goes on to say in verse 10, foreigners will rebuild your walls, and their kings will serve you. Though in anger I struck you, in, in favor I will show you compassion. Your gates will always, be, uh, will always stand open, they will never be shut, day or night so that men may bring you the wealth of the nations, their kings led in triumphal procession. For the nation or kingdom that will not serve you will perish, it will be utterly ruined. Interesting picture of a city with walls and with gates. Think back to that message about Nehemiah, about the walls being built up, about the gates being put back in place. And Isaiah painting a picture here of a city where the people will come in and go out and be safe. And I think the prophecy or part of what we've read there in Isaiah 60 was fulfilled in Christ, in the Messiah. But the Jews were still looking for freedom from their oppressors, the reestablishing of a city which never really became a reality. They were under oppression which only intensified, culminating in the destruction of their temple in 70 AD. 
And it's interesting to note, if you go back into Scripture again, into Malachi, it says in Malachi, then suddenly the Lord you're seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come. Jesus came at a time when the temple was still standing, but in 70 AD, that temple was destroyed and has never been rebuilt. And so Jewish people who are waiting on a Messiah coming are waiting on the fulfillment of this prophecy first. Then suddenly the Lord you're seeking will come to his temple. There needs to be a temple for him to come to. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come. You see, the Jewish people missed what was happening right in front of their noses. They missed it. They missed who Jesus was. And we thought about the different types of people who were in existence in Jesus' time, different groupings of people, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Essenes, the Zealots, the peasants, all these different groupings of people, how they were looking for a Messiah and how they missed Jesus when he, when he came. All this talk about walls being built up, about gates, the prophecy of Nehemiah, uh, the work of Nehemiah, sorry, the prophecy of Isaiah, the things that we've thought about over the course of the year, I want to encourage us to put on a different set of glasses, to see with different eyes, to hear with different ears, because listen to the words of Paul as he writes to the Ephesians. Chapter 2, verse 19 says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people. Jews and Gentiles alike, fellow citizens with God's people, and members of God's household. That's why we talk about the church being a family, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. What we believe is built on a foundation. What we believe isn't just some airy-fairy notion that might be true for you, but isn't true for me, as we sometimes hear these days. It's built on a foundation, a solid foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. I think what was envisaged all these years ago is what we see now. We have the advantage of living in 2019, almost 2020, being able to look back to the birth of Christ and to contextualize that in the prophecies which were given about Christ before that even happened. We're able to look back and we're able to see now the church, which is God's idea. Jesus initiated the church and it's him who fills us and who builds this house together. Thinking about walls and gates, in the end of this verse in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 60, are you still with me? I'm almost finished, honest. Some of you are like, when's he going to stop? <laughs> In just a wee minute. At the end of your land, wouldn't that be great? It says this, no longer will violence be heard in your land. Wouldn't that be great? Nor ruin or destruction within your borders, but you will call your walls salvation 
and your gates praise. What is the church all about? The church is about salvation. It's about people being saved, being brought from darkness into light. Jesus being the light of the world. Jesus being the light who fills us and gives light to our whole being. Our gates are praise. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Salvation and praise are two cornerstones of the church. We come to know Jesus, we come to invite him into our hearts and lives, and as a result, we begin to praise him because we realize that he has saved us. I hear in these verses an invitation to the church to be a place of salvation and a place of praise. When we come together on a Sunday, and I believe we should come together every Sunday to praise. Yes, we need time for holidays and rest and all that stuff, but on a Sunday, let me say this really clearly, I feel the place where we should be is here in church. The Bible talks about don't forsake meeting together. The building that we meet in is of secondary importance to what God is building in here, building a people, a people who have been called out of darkness into light, a people who are being transformed and changed into the pastor's likeness, the leader's likeness, the culture of this church's likeness. No, into His likeness. I read just this week, what does it mean to make a disciple? A disciple isn't about coming into church and learning all our rules and our ways of doing things and you toeing the line. That's not discipleship. Discipleship is about showing people Jesus and people having a desire to become like Him. That's who I want to become like. I want to become like Jesus. Not my heroes, not my icons, but to become like Him. And I think the prophecy will find complete fulfillment at the end of days, where John records the revelation that he receives from Jesus. Listen to this, Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through to 4. I talked about all the prophecy that we can look back on that's been fulfilled in Christ, and there are prophecies which have been spoken about which have still to be fulfilled, and this is one of them. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. A new heaven and a new earth. What's that going to look like? I don't know, but it sounds absolutely fantastic because we're burning this one up at a great rate of knots. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. I don't know about you, but I want to experience the presence of God in the here and now. Yeah? We talk about the presence. We already have the presence of God. Yes, God. And some people say, but we've already got the Holy Spirit in us. We already have the presence of God. Yes, that's true. But there's something more that God wants to do in us and around us where we experience His presence. We don't always experience that when we come into church. Let's be honest. We don't experience the presence of God. It's self-evident 
that we don't experience the presence of God every time we come into church. Yes, we have the Holy Spirit in us. Yes, we have the presence of God in us. But there's something about when God demonstrates his presence that we go, hey, wait a minute, something's happening in here. And that's my prayer for this church, is that we come away from church on a Sunday, we say, hey, wait a minute, something was happening in there. Something's happened in me today. Something's changed. You see, we need to be transformed into his likeness, and we do that by being in his presence. I saw the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. The manifest presence of God always they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. The things that we see here and now will change, and we will change. And this is what God is calling us into. It's not something that we wait for then, it's something we begin to enter into now. We experience that presence. We enter into that relationship with Jesus now, and we experience His presence in our lives. You see, we're called to be part of something far bigger. Some of you look as if you need convinced. We're called into something that's eternal. The church has an eternal purpose and an eternal destiny. And the things which we say and do will have eternal consequences. We need to really grasp this. And I don't know that we always do grasp it. The things that we say and do have eternal consequences. They will change the destiny for some people forever. And we need to really think about this. God is calling us in to be part of His purpose, part of His plan for this world. And in the cram of Christmas we can lose that perspective. We can lose what it's all about and the charm of all our traditions when we crash out because we've been overfed in Turkey. Yeah? And we can miss the fact that God has a plan and a purpose, an eternal plan and purpose that He's calling us into. He's calling Tyree, He's calling you into this plan and purpose. He's saying, I've got a job for you to do. Are you going to do the thing that I'm going to ask you to do? Even if it costs you. I'm looking around at faces here today, and God has a plan and a purpose and a destiny for your life. And He's inviting you into something which is far bigger than you can even begin to ask or imagine. I don't know about you, that excites me. As we draw towards the end of 2019 and we begin to look to face another year, I don't know about you, but I think 2020 is going to be a special year. I think God wants to do some things that are different. He says, what does he say? Forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Can you see it? 
Do you begin to see it? Do you begin to feel the little flutters as God begins to do something? God wants to do something radically different in your life and in this church. He wants to make a way in the wilderness and bring streams in the desert. I'm excited about that. Let's pray, and the musicians are going to come back up to the platform. Father, we thank you for your enduring presence in our lives. Father, we thank you that Jesus has come, that he lived his life the way he did in obedience to you. Father, that he was willing to go to a cross, to die, to bear the sins of the world. Father, to take my sin upon himself in order that I might be forgiven and set free. Father, I thank you for the reality of these words in your word in the Bible. But Father, I thank you that they're not just words on a page, but they're words written into my heart, into our hearts. And Father, we just thank you for the reality of Christmas. We thank you for the reality of the Christ child, the Messiah, the anointed one. Father, we thank you for the reality of the Holy Spirit in our lives today. Father, when Jesus returned to you, he sent the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit came in power. And Holy Spirit, we invite you to come in power again empower us, strengthen us, equip us where we're weak, and move where, uh, where we can't move, operate in the areas where we have no access, and Holy Spirit, come and do the things which you want to do. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this fellowship and into our hearts today, and as we face 2020, and look for you to do the things which you want to do. So, Father, we pray, come and empower us. Father, come and be with us, and the rest of this day, Father, as we take up our tithes and our offerings, Father, may you be with us in that. And Father, we just pray that you would energize our lives, our praise. May it not just be something we do on a Sunday, but Father, may our lives be lives of praise uh, given to you day in and day out. So Father, we give ourselves to you today and ask that you would come and just fill us. In Jesus' name, amen.